record. Hopefully, we'll record the correct thing this time. You seem loud, but you're okay now. Okay, I'm turned way down. I just turned you down. I all. Oh, I'm so sorry. Because I really wanted you to be in this episode because this is the episode where it looks like Uncle Vernon turns. Oh. And, you okay. know, you've been saying all along, I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. And it happened and you weren't here. So I think I subconsciously messed it up so that you could be here for it. Okay. Oh, sure. Play with okay. Yep. That's, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Don't worry. I get blamed for everything at work, too. So that's fine. I'm used to it. I was very happy to see you post and that you weren't running today. Well, sadly, I would love to run that, but I will never be fast enough for that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, I mean, it it was a sad event, and the the worst thing is, I mean, whoever was the, or people or whatever was like that, they, they didn't, they did not, go for the runners themselves, they went for the spectators, and that's what was very, very sad. Mm-hmm. They went for the runner support. Yeah. So. That's important, the runner support. I didn't know anything about it. I came home and sat down, and the first thing I saw was Ryan's post saying, they're telling people to evacuate Boston. And I'm looking, why are they evacuating Boston? And I'm looking at Mama, I'm like, there must be some really bad weather in Boston tonight. And she's like, no, Sue, <laughs> this is what happens. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Because at work, yeah. you don't get that kind of news. What sort of race was it? I heard that there was it, it's a Boston sort of explosions at the end of a race. But. Yeah, it was the Boston Marathon. It's one of the most, well, it is one of the most prestigious marathons out there. To even be included in the Boston Marathon, you have to, you have to qualify for it. And the way my time is to qualify for a Boston Marathon, I have to be 80. <laughs> So I was thinking if I could just say I look really good for my age, I would love to do it. <laughs> but um, We'll get your little walker for you. Yeah, really. Well, it's my goal to be 80 years old and do the Boston Marathon. There you go. That's a good goal. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's my goal. But um, but no, it, I mean, it, it was just it was just a, it's a very it was it's a very sad thing. Some someone doing something like that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Do they know anything about who it was or what it was for or anything? Or just um, some random. Apparently, um, it wasn't random. Um, it it was, it was mainly they went to after the elite runners because the elite runner. I mean, they have a support system, but the thing is. It's not, there's not going to be people at the finish line. It was wait for whoever did this, waited for the, the average Joe, who are not the late runners, but who are pretty darn good, because you have to be pretty darn good to qualify for that. Mm-hmm. But the, it was aimed towards, it was aimed towards where there was going to be a lot more people at the finish line than just the support people for the elite runners. Because, I mean, yes, they have a coach, they have, they have things, but a lot of people sometimes, Elite runners are going to be people from Kenya and um, mm-hmm. Zimbabwe really and any yeah. They won't have brought a lot of people. Yeah. yeah, they wouldn't have brought as many people as as people who are in within this area to to go in that area that would qualify for it. Yeah, so it was it's it's sad. Yeah, it's really sad. So it looks like everybody that we know that's Pufuanian in the area has checked in, and everybody over there is fine. Yeah, um, my a buddy of mine, um, he well, my, he's one of my best friends. Uh, he works right close to to the starting line, and it took he just he just got home. 
his um, wife told everybody, hey, we're, we're home. It just took a really long time for Justin to get home. And he got home, and I was like, oh, thank God, because I was going to start bugging your sister-in-law to see if she heard of anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Calvin said that one of his, because I picked him up on my way home tonight, and he had dinner with us, and he said one of his buddy's mothers ran the marathon today. But apparently she's okay. He didn't know anything. So I don't know, but they, I'm sure they would have heard if something had happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one of the um, salespeople that works here actually knows someone who was running the marathon. And um, I, I think she came out okay. The last I heard, they really weren't quite sure, but they were trying to – they'd heard yeah, – um, she'd at least heard from this person what their time was. And they were comparing that to the time on the race that the bombs went off, and it was really quite close. They at least survived enough that they know. Um, they, but, yeah, I don't know if she was injured or if anything happened to them or if it was far enough off of the time that it was. Mm-hmm. But I think it was, like, 40 minutes into the race or something like that, and this person's time was, like, 42 or something like that. So, yeah, it was quite close. Yeah, it was, like, 340. Yeah, no, she was yeah. She was probably right there then. But mm-hmm. like I said, it was, um, you've got to see some of the video, which is, it's disturbing that you can see it. But the thing is, the runners were not, really, the runners were not hurt. I mean, a couple of them got knocked over by the blast. But the runners were, runners really were not hurt. It was, it was aimed for spectators, and that was the biggest thing. Um, the way the Boston Marathon works is that it goes in waves. I mean, depending on what your time is, the, in an awful way, the worse your time is, it's the furthest you are behind. Mm-hmm. So the elite go first because no one wants, like, if you end up walking part of it, they don't want, to, if it was like a wave, and I think it's like waves of like um, 30 minutes, every 30 minutes there's a wave. So it's, it's, a, so it's a big difference because so it started at 10, it started at 10 o'clock. The bombing was at what, 2, 2.50, 2.10, something like that. The elite run it probably, I mean, they run it in about two hours and two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. They run that marathon. I run a, I run a half marathon, even more time than that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so to say, okay, they can, that's around 1230. And so then you have other people going in on it. Well, it's very sad. And I hope that they catch whoever is responsible and that it's not going to spark yeah. other things because. Yeah, that's it. Oh, well. Well, on happier news, or sort of happier news, the phone rang at 6.20 this morning informing us, it was the post office informing us that they had a box that was going beep, 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 and they'd like us to come and pick it up. <laughs> so uh, we are in custody oh, now of 25 chicks. They're called... Oh, peep, peep, peep. Peep, peep, peep. <laughs> you saying beep, beep, beep. I'm the person who called you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Peep, 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 peep. So okay. we got peep, peep, peep. Sounds a lot better sex links peep, peep. this time. And sex links if they're female or born white and if they're male or born black. So we have 24 white ones and one brown one. Uh, we don't quite know what brown indicates. It's not female or male. But looking closer at it, it also has feathers on its feet. So apparently they sent us a wrong chick. And about the time that I said, oh, look, it has feathers on its feet. It's different. One of the other chicks attacked it and just about ripped its toe off. It drug it across the enclosure 
and we had to separate them. It was terrible. So they're, you know, they pick on the odd one out, and apparently that one hasn't moved around a lot today and has been really tired, so we don't know if it's going to make it. But I hope so, because it's probably a real unique chick chicken. It, it will be a real flashy one. But Five all the better. I know. And they're already picking on it because of that. Either that or they're prejudiced because it's a... T- but... Mm-hmm. I've never seen one like you before. Well, and they're just amazing because they've never seen a, an adult chicken in their lives, but they're already in there scratching and pecking and, you know, doing all the stuff the adult chicken, chickens do. They're really funny. But, yeah. I don't know what's going on with the uh, landlady's um, duckling and godling, but uh, a few days ago, at least, they were still uh, running around upstairs playing. <laughs> so, they're fun. Yeah. I think the grandchildren are over, so the, uh, the chicks got to come out and run around the house a little bit or something. I don't know. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. All right. Anybody else do anything? And two more um, shows of Nine's Five this weekend. Woohoo! Yeah. And we're finally sort of gelling together, and things are going pretty well. I think Saturday was probably our best show yet, and then we have next Friday and Saturday, and that's it. Nice. I see that my uh, old high school is doing Guys and Dolls again. I think it did Guys and Dolls the year I graduated. So I, I was, love that one. I was in 83. I'll let you all do the math. You're um, young. Yeah. yeah. You're 20? Yeah, you're 20. Yeah, yeah, that's it. 20. Uh, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Racive last night posted about a new podcast she found. It's called Autopilot, and it is the... Pilots, two guys, and they talk about the pilot of different TV shows. They started, the first one that they did was Star Trek. Um, the second one was Battlestar Galactica. Then they did Stargate, Quantum Leap, Mission Impossible, The A-Team, Emergency, which just thrilled me to no end at all. Um, Buck Rogers, Sequest, Life on Mars, Roswell, Lost, and Babylon 5. Looks like they did Airwolf. Futurama, Misfits, The Dead Zone, Twin Peaks, Doctor Who, The Newsroom, Chips, Firefly, Dragnet. To name a few of the other ones. Lots of different stuff. So, and I've been listening. They're not actually that new. No, some of them are really old. Um, I mean, the podcast, they've been going for two seasons. two seasons, yeah. But I've been listening. They run between 30 minutes and an hour, and I've been enjoying myself immensely. So, I might have to. Take a look at some of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can kind of pick and choose through them if there's some that, you know. But, the, I mean, the first three, Star Trek, Battlestar Galactica, Stargate, and Quantum Leap, I mean, those were all shows I watched pretty much. So it was it was really neat to be able to hear it. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, that was fun. Uh, okay. Anything else, or shall we give this a start? Yeah, I think we've mostly covered all the weird and wonderful things that have happened. <laughs> Who knows? I'm sure we'll come up with something else. Well, we always do. Trisha, you good? Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm fine. I was just reading. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, I get Friday, Thursday, we're having family night, and we're doing a, a read-in. So all the kids are coming back, and we're having different people telling stories, and we're all wearing our pajamas. Oh, that's I'm nice. Gonna, I'm going to wear my old lady pajamas and be the old lady who swallowed a fly. Oh, yeah. I don't know why she swallowed a fly. And I'm going to have to uh, 
somewhere there's old lady caps in the building. I'll have to see if I can find those, because that would be fun to put on my head, too. Yourself a bonnet. Yeah. But that is not our fic. So, no, it is. For Friday, February 7th, this is episode 181 of Potter Fic Weekly. Welcome to the place where the story never ends. Hey, Ron. Previously on Potterfic Weekly. Where would you like to start, Sue? <laughs> well, let's start at the beginning. That would be awesome. My resolutions for this Potterfic Weekly season is not to snort. Welcome to Potterfic Whatever. <laughs> oh, Scott. Did we, did we lose Scott? Yep. Okay, what did I miss? Am I surrounded by Hufflepuffs? You yes, are. you are. Yes, you are. Apparently, <laughs> I'm Jen, and I don't know my outfit. <laughs> No, she's the poster child for our podcast. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think I need more meds. My meds have kicked in, I can tell. Sure. <laughs> I think that's two, and that could possibly be three. Moving right along. I felt like a rock star. Just really big knickers. Pants are your underpants, not oh. trousers. Waterpick Weekly, defining strange terms for your edification. <laughs> but I was planning on getting grammar anytime soon. Really, honestly. <laughs> Saxon Snorkax, two of my favorite subjects. I love Snake. You are quite possibly clinically insane. In the nicest sense of the word, of course. <laughs> we always laugh before the end. We will say welcome to Potterfic Weekly. I'm Sue. I'm Scott. I'm Trisha. And we are doing chapters 13 through 18 of A Better Man by Valendar. Kind of like Calendar, we think. Calendar. Would you like that? I, I added a little there. Uh, you know, yeah. I'm just going to shake my head and nod. Yeah, that's probably smart. Uh-huh. And we start off with Snape, who, when we left him, was in a coma because he had been attacked by the Dementors and had so many terrible things that had happened to him that it kind of exploded his mind. And he's been in a coma ever since. And we start off with him standing on a high tower that he doesn't recognize. It's not Hogwarts, and he hears a voice that says, you have to make a choice. Then he says, but what do I choose? And the voice said, who lives and who dies? And he wants to know when, and he's told in three years' time. And then he wants to know how he's going to make the choice, and the voice says, you will know. And we change scenes, and we have Apprentice Healer. healer. Wow. Yeah, that's easy to say. Apprentice Healer. <laughs> Go for it, Scott. Who uh, is straightening Dumbledore's spectacles, which I just find an interesting picture because Dumbledore immediately wakes up and makes her jump. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sort of, oh, he's sitting by the bedside. Let's just straighten his spectacles there. Said, oh, thank you. And she goes, Bye. <laughs> yeah. Was she trying to take them off? That's what it seems like to me. Like she was. Uh, I would say if someone's falling asleep, you usually take off. You usually take off the glasses because mm-hmm. you're afraid that you might they might break them. Yeah. But. With his crooked nose, it's probably crooked to too. Mm-hmm. It sounded to me like he was just, you know, probably leaning back in a chair because he's asleep and his glasses are sort of coming off one ear or whatever and they're not straight on his face anymore and she was just trying to put them right again. Yeah, that could, 
And of course, you know, like you could maybe do that to a child and they're not going to wake up. But most adults, if they're anywhere near a, a light type sleeper, then that's going to wake them up. And Dumbledore, you know, Dumbledore's got to be a light sleeper. Well, you got to think too. I mean, he's also through. I've been through battles and stuff like that. And it's just like any kind, of, even any kind of soldier that has been through anything. They're, I mean, any little movement or anything like that, they're going, they're going to be like. Yeah, he's very aware of his surroundings. Yeah. And then they hear Snape's voice muttering, you will know. The first thing he said is... We're, we're going to let months. Scott finish straightening his headset before we keep going. That's <laughs> okay. It's all right. Go ahead. You, you sound better, though. Well, that's good. I don't think I actually did much of anything, but there you go. <laughs> oh, no, you sound the same now. You sound better there. You sound a little better. Weird. Well. You will know, yeah. muttered Snape, the first words he'd spoken in a month. Mm-hmm. And they say, what What will I know? And they says, what are you talking about? I didn't say anything, mm-hmm. <laughs> basically. He doesn't remember anything. Uh, but he's awake and he's coherent, so Dumbledore is happy. The healer runs off to get help, because she's just an apprentice. Yeah. You know, diddly squat. Diddly squat. And we have Ron and Harry having the summer passing by swiftly until they find out about the Quidditch World Cup, and then it just drags because they're so excited it's we gotta go and, oh. is it here yet is it here yet is it here yet yeah. no <laughs> this reminds me of my son mm-hmm. i have learned not to tell him anything when if we're going to do something because all i hear is like he'll do a countdown mm-hmm. he'll just do mm-hmm. everything he'll just do everything and it'll <laughs> but i learned not to tell him anything until the day right when we go and do it right yeah. I'm a horrible parent, I know, for doing that, but I don't care. Well, kids are different that way. Cause, um, um, my two sisters, I can't remember which was which, but one of them, was it was like that. You had to not tell her things until very close, or she would um, just get too worked up about it. But the other one, if you didn't tell her anything until it was going to be the next day or two days, she'd panic because she wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. So you had to... You had to tell her stuff in advance so she could get ready. And but my other sister, you couldn't tell her anything because then she'd just wind herself up. Yeah. It's so different. It's so true. Yeah, my son, you can't tell him. To, if, if you want to keep a secret, any kind of secret, you can't tell him. Because he ends up telling you, telling people. Mm-hmm. Like, case in point, my sister-in-law got an outfit from, from my, for my niece. And it was a, Type of tra- um, tractor that we that the whole family loves, and my son, we were trying to get my brother to come out, and my then my son starts telling him about it, <laughs> kind of thing. I was like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm looking at all of I'm like, shut up, shut it. And my brother's like, I guess he kind of told something, huh? I'm like, just be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Pretend like you didn't know. Uh huh. Yeah. So, and of course, you know, this is a different World Cup because we've got. Sirius and Remus going, and the Dursleys are going, and of course Ron's taught Dudley all about the Chudley Cannons, and and now he's a diehard fan too, and he's shown him, you know, what he's going to see in books and stuff like that. <laughs> Ron finally gets to indoctrinate somebody because Harry didn't pan out. Right. And we just sort of summarize the whole Quidditch World Cup because mm-hmm. that all turns out the same way. She puts, I think a chapter and a half, or at least half a chapter, I'm not sure, into 
one sentence. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. So there you go. You know what? I mean, the thing is, that 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 those chapters are. I mean, that that's special to to the books itself. We don't need to rehash it because you can't. You can't. Yeah. Sorry. It made sense for it to be there in the book because we'd never seen the Quidditch World Cup either. But uh, when it's it. all going to turn out the same way, presumably, if you're reading this fan fiction, you have read the books. So <laughs> if you haven't, close the fanfic, turn off the podcast, go read the books first, and then you can come back and listen to us ramble. <laughs> yeah. And if you haven't read the book, what the heck are you doing listening to this podcast anyhow? Right. So but I'm it sure. makes no sense. I mean, I can understand re- listening to the podcast if you haven't read the fic. Because I do that on some of the podcasts that I haven't had a chance to read the fic on. But you have to have read the canon first. That just makes yeah. it so much better. <laughs> yeah. I I don't know. I think it's pretty unlikely that anybody who just decided they weren't going to read Harry Potter would then be searching Harry Potter on the web thing and come, oh, look, there's this forum. Let's go see what that's all about. <laughs> Yeah, 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 no sense whatsoever. So then we start with uh, September 1st, and it's pretty much same old, same old. You know, we've got our semi-annual visit of Draco Malfoy, but yeah. And the sorting feast is interrupted by Mad-Eye Moody, the new Mm -hmm. DA instructor. Ron and Harry are heartbroken to find out that Quidditch has been canceled, but excited to find out about the Triwizard Tournament. Yep. And the only big news that we find out is that Snape is coming back, but he's not going to teach Owl or Newt students. He's only going to teach fourth year and below because he's still recovering. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, interesting that's because I've usually seen that the other way, mm-hmm. where Snape is a much better teacher if he only teaches the um, Newt year and have somebody else teach the kids who don't know anything yet. Right. Uh, Less stress, maybe. Mm-hmm. And he just, he's better with people who actually want to be in his class and know what they're doing. Um, yeah. Never thought of that. Yeah, it is very different turn of events. And, of course, we've got Mr. Horace Slughorn who has come in to take the other classes. And Harry re- has received a note after dinner inviting him to an informal gathering of individuals. But since Draco was there, he decided not to go. Uh-huh. I missed that the last time I read this. Yeah. You said, yeah. Eh, not going to be somewhere with Malfoy when I don't have to be. And oh, and we have Draco the Amazing Bouncing Ferret again. Mm-hmm. Yay! I'm sorry. <laughs> you cannot have Draco the Amazing Bouncing Ferret. I mean, you have to have it. Because mm-hmm. it's the best thing in the world. It is pretty funny. And, of course, we have Moody demonstrating then forgivable curses on the spiders and then later um, Imperius on the kids. And the biggest, the other big news is that Snape is not nearly as mean or as vicious as he's usually been. And he even gave half-hearted words of encouragement to Neville when he almost got a potion right for Neville. Mm-hmm. Neville probably does almost faint it. I mean, oh, I'm sure. I mean, yeah, your teacher gives you someone that you absolutely hate and hated you, gives you a, that's okay, boy, kind of thing. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll be shocking. So, well, at least you didn't melt the cauldron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it was a backhanded compliment, for sure. <laughs> and we have uh, the Bobaton and Durmstrang contingents 
arriving on the 30th of October, and everyone is anxious. The twins have already decided they're going to go over the age line, and, uh, you know, of course, that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, With their massive white beards. Mm-hmm. Oh, thing. And the Goblet of Fire is unveiled. The Tri-Wizard Tournament stories are told. Dumbledore says you have to be 17, and they get ready to, finally on Halloween, the announcements are made. And, of course, we've got Cedric Diggory, yay, for Hogwarts. Uh, but he he really looks like that like scary, that scary vampire dude. He does. But he's not that scary. He He's sparkly. He's not scary. Yeah. You, sh- he, you should be ashamed by it. Cedric has much better color. He does. He's a lot less pale. <laughs> He's pretty damn white when I saw him in the movie. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, but he does actually, you know, go out in the sunshine sometimes. And he plays yeah, he, he plays Quidditch. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Fleur is from Bobaton and Victor from Durmstrang, and then Harry Potter's name is Dun dun dun. I'm glad that Dumbledore did not go, Did you put the diamond in your cup of fire? <laughs> Slams yes, there was no going into trophy cases in this story. Yeah. And also, because of the way things have gone previously, Ron comes around much sooner. He's just grumbling a little bit to Hermione about things, and uh, then Ginny sets him straight. Because Ginny's more into it on, you know, yeah, that's what I'm trying she, to say. She's part of the group already, whereas in canon that didn't happen for another book and a half. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Or three. And so we have them returning back to, we have Hermione and, and Ron and Ginny returning back to the common room, and Hermione's like, I'm telling you, there's no way Harry put his name into the goblet. And Ron's like, oh, you know, yeah, he did. And he says Balderdash to the portrait, and Ginny reaches out and says, that's right, that is Balderdash. You've known Ron, you've, Ron, you've known Harry for a long time now. How does he react when people teach, treat him like a celebrity? And Ron's like, he hides, and he doesn't like it. Right. You really think he put his name in the fire? No. And then they turn the common room around, because the to- common room thinks that he did it too, and they set them straight. So Harry starts this with a group of people standing behind him. He's not alone like he is in the canon. And yeah, he had Hermione, but he was mostly alone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Hermione could- Hermione is a little know-it-all that no one likes anyhow. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, like, and because they were well, you know what um, I mean. they were fighting with Ron, um, she was kind of off her game, too. So. Right. But yes, in this case, they everybody sort of twigs to something, and now they're convinced Harry's going to die. Mm-hmm. And so he walks into the common room, and everyone's staring at him, and he's like, okay, what's going on? They're yeah. <laughs> so uh, afraid going to die. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I don't know. Maybe what's worse, everybody thinking that you're you're just uh, what is it, a celebrity speaking person, or everybody's looking at you. Hey, you're gonna die. We don't know. Yeah. Well, he gets that from Tarani anyhow, so he's used to it. Mm-hmm. So. so they they try and briefly try and work out who maybe could have done this, but they really don't know except that it's probably not Malfoy because Professor mm-hmm. Moody said it had to be a grown up. Um, and then they decide. Technically, they're not allowed to help him with the tournament at all, but that doesn't mean that they can't just happen to learn a whole bunch of new hexes and jinxes and things. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And if they're all learning together, then, you know, they're not really helping. They're studying. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And Ron says, just what I need. A sister is even more dangerous. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, the Hufflepuffs kind of come out with support Cedric Diggory, the real Hogwarts champion at first. But Gryffindor House kind of unloads on them and says, you know, we need to support everybody. And they take away the those and do the Potter Diggory to win badges. And the only one that actually has Potter Stinks is, of course, the Slytherins, which we... Yeah, well, and the same confrontation that made Hermione's teeth grow huge in canon happens, except this time uh, Snape for sure sees everything, which he may have done in canon, but it isn't certain. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he acknowledges that he saw the whole thing in this one and takes points off both houses. Yeah. Yeah, he's... You know, he's unbending just a little, is our state. Mm-hmm. And he's uh, wisely decides to give them detention in separate rooms instead mm-hmm. of the same one. <laughs> yeah. Because Harry and Draco in the same detention is probably not a great idea. No. No. You would think? <laughs> not probably good. And Harry avoids Rita's quick quotes when he goes up for the photo op and Dumbledore interrupts them pretty quick anyhow, so she doesn't actually get a a good interview for him. Mm -hmm. And then we skip a few weeks to after Harry's found out about the dragons. Mm -hmm. He's letting his friends know, and Hermione immediately goes, Dragons! (laughs) And he claps his hand over her mouth, Shoot, quiet, give me down! And so they're trying to work out what to do. Um, you know, they're trying to think of it. And what's interesting is they come up with a tickling hex. And Jenny says that that won't work because, you know, they think, well, they could just do it to his eyes. But that particular hex, once you hit the body, goes throughout the body. It's not a controlled hex. Mm-hmm. Have I, I've jumped ahead here, haven't I? Um, yeah, we're good. Yeah. You have a little bit, but um, yeah, they're just, they want to learn what affects dragons, and they can't ask Charlie because he's one of the handlers, and so he, he'd know that they knew. Right. And Ron gets, um, well, he's trying to pass it all off on Hermione because, you know, she's the one who will go to the library and look stuff up. And Hermione says, well, yeah, Ron, but you're the strategist, you know, chess master and all. And like, oh, oh, she's working ham. That's just chess. And we move on to chapter 14, Goblet of Fire, part two. Yes. And that's when they have their list of various ideas. Because they found out that the, the eyes are the weak spot. And, yeah, Ginny's the one who knows you can't really tickle someone just on the eyes because it's a engulfing spell, like all the uh, unforgivables and stunners and a number of other things. Like, if you if you shoot a stunner at someone, it doesn't just make their hand go numb. It just it knocks them out. Right. Because it affects That'd be all of cool. them, regardless of where you hit. And there probably is a numbing charm, too, that you could do that with. But well, there's a deboning charm. One. You know what? I don't know if there really is. I think Gilderoy made that one up. <laughs> well, it worked. That's all I Unless it's say. for like fish or something. Uh, that that scene oh. in still makes me queasy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's awful. That would be handy though. You could uh, debone your food. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. <laughs> I was listening to Wait Wait Don't Tell Me yesterday, and apparently the meat people, whatever. They've decided to rename cuts of meat 
to make them sound more appealing and better because people are confused about cuts of meat. And the the one huh? guy said, how many people don't know what a pork chop is? How confusing is this? And the woman said, well, you know, I always have to ask my husband. When we go to the steakhouse, I always have to ask my husband about the different cuts of meat, you know, bone-in, filet mignon. <laughs> the guy stopped and he went, let me help you on this. If it says bone-in, that usually means there's a bone in there somewhere. <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't know what they're going to call it with this new name, but I'm guessing there's a bone somewhere. So it was pretty funny. It was a good way yeah. to Don't tell me also. So they're uh, trying to figure this out. And it, they mention house elves because they're trying, they're talking about souls and what creatures have souls and, and things like that. And of course, this starts Hermione on her pre-spew and Harry has to stop it. Mm -hmm. And he says, he basically says that house elves really started off as almost Robots. Auto Autonomous? They were, is that how you say it? Uh, let's see, where is it? I, I don't um, know that it actually... Automatons. Yeah. There, that's the word I'm looking Golems. for. Golems. And basically, they're made out of silver, and there's a potion poured on them, and the potion has some of the witch's or wizard's blood in it, and these... Okay, that has... Work. That's a little too much. That's, a little too, that's, that's, that's going a little too far. <laughs> to go all... <laughs> Your own blood in it? Yeah. Well, it's basically like the original um, Gollum legend. You had the sages would create this man shape out of clay. I can't remember if it had to be from a particular spot or what, whether there was anything special about the clay, but then you'd have a, a scroll with a word of command or a word of life or something like that that you'd stick in its forehead or in its mouth or something. And that would bring the golem to life, and it would be your servant for a while. And, but you have to be careful that the scroll didn't get erased at any point. Yeah. I just, I mean, honestly, I thought Gollum was was a um, was a hobbit, and, but he got so obsessed with the ring, and that's how he became Gollum. <laughs> that's a different Gollum, different spelling. Oh. Uh -huh. Okay. Oh. The oh, ones I, I was I talking got... about is G O L E M. Uh, the one you're talking about is G-O-L-L-U-M, and he's a specific character, not a class okay. of people. Oh, uh, okay. No wonder I got confused. Yeah, it's it's one of those homonyms or, you know, something like that. So what they find out is that if you happen to put clothing on this, it immediately stops. It's, it doesn't work anymore. And so that's kind of how the giving the house of clothes things work. And what they found out was that if... That they, that these weren't alive, but if their owner passed away at any time, that life force that is in their owner is, you know, leaving the owner's body and kind of looking for another place to rest, and it's connected by blood to this house shelf, that a part of it goes into the house shelf, and over the years, that's how the house shelves have come alive. And so if you give a house shelf clothes, it kind of messes with their life force and they could die. And so that is our way of keeping Hermione from wanting to give all of the house elves clothes. And she freaks out because what about poor Winky who's been sacked and given clothes and, you know, we know Dobby's okay just by the way he acts. It doesn't affect him at all, but what about Winky? And because they're having this discussion, Pop, 
in comes Dobby, who says that, you know, you don't need to worry about this. Something's already being done for Wiki. Mm-hmm. Because oh. elves that lose their place uh, are invited to come work at Hogwarts, and that's where all the Hogwarts elves come from. Now they have their, their master and everything. So, and of course, Hermione's surprised. Hogwarts has elf elves? Mm-hmm. But she's introduced to it more positively this time instead of just suddenly finding out when she's already been uh, ranting about how terrible it is to have house elves and then, you know, refusing to eat for a week and all of that stuff. (laughs) Yeah. And Dobby starts to say that he wishes that Master Harry could be his master and starts to punish himself. And (laughs) they say, you know, why don't you go ask Dumbledore what kind of punishment he wants you to have? And during this whole conversation, Ron is in La La Land. He's strategizing. And all he hears is the word flying as Dobby flies back out of the room and says, Ah, that's it, perfect! No, it was Ginny uh, talking about him throwing himself at the wall. Ah. And she describes it as, as flying, because he's going to over to punish himself. Yes. Ron has worked it out. Yes. Harry's a really good flyer, so why not fly around the dragon? So they've got their strategy for the first task. <laughs> and everybody thinks that Ron is brilliant, and Hermione hugs him. <gasps> and time freezes. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yes. poor Hermione. The youngest male Weasley had suddenly found himself in close proximity with one of his best friends, and apparently had just realized that she was, in fact, a girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Poor Hermione. Yeah, I love this, because he had started to return the hug, but his discovery startled him, and that meant his arms were frozen, half outstretched. And so Hermione's thinking that he doesn't like him, and he doesn't like her, because he didn't hug her back. And he didn't hug her uh, back because he's a boy, and he just froze. Mm-hmm. And then Dobby pops back in and says, Oh, yay, I get to be Harry's now. I don't have to work for Dumbledore. Dumbledore's so nice. Uh, am I interrupting something? <laughs> no, no, no. And then we change scenes again with my Z, 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 Z. And uh, the first task has arrived, and poor Harry has to listen to the play-by-play by Ludo Bagman, which mm-hmm. does more harm than good. But Yes, that's from the canon. Mm-hmm. And, but they do, he does manage to make it through and get his egg, yep. and it's just as well he doesn't use the conjunctivitis curse, because that caused Crumb's dragon to trample on half of its real eggs, which is not so great for the dragon handler people. No. Uh, all I gotta say, all I gotta say, I kind of wish that Harry didn't get his egg. What would have happened? It would have been more fun. It would have been interesting. Okay. I don't know if they would have let it work that way. I'm not sure how that would have worked. Would he have been disqualified then and then out of the whole thing? Yeah. You know? Hmm. Yeah. I've read a couple of fics where he um, goes out and deliberately refuses to compete, um, but I don't remember what they did with that. I think they ended, he ended up having to anyway. I was just thinking about the, the little divider things. They should really make it so the text readers snore when it comes across that. <laughs> there you go. That would be interesting. <laughs> then I'd fall asleep instead of listening to it. I, oh, we don't want that. No, actually, sometimes I do, because I fall asleep listening to the stories on occasion, and then rewrite them and pick them up again in the morning, so. 
Well, at least you can rewind them, I guess. Mm-hmm. And we have uh, Harry opening the egg, and it makes this horrendous squealing noise. So he puts it away and kind of forgets about it like he does a cannon. I must be out of my mind. And the Yule Ball is announced. Dun, 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 dun. Mm-hmm. And Harry's heading back down to the tower after divination, and he's attacked, and he's about to uh, strike back, and it turns out it's Hermione, yeah. because she has a problem. And she says, oh, okay, well, I'll go get Ginny and Ron. And she said, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. That's my problem right there. And she, she says that... Well, it turns out that Victor Crumb asked me to the ball, and, and I said, I need time to think about it. And Harry's like, uh, you want to run that okay. in one more time in English? I heard something about uh, Victor Crumb has mead in Bali, and personally, I don't know why he'd want to get drunk on a tropical island. Uh, a little slower. <laughs> yeah. Victor Crumb asked me to the ball, and I said I needed some time to think about it. Why? She's really hoping that Ron will ask, but what is she supposed to do if he doesn't? And then she'd have to go with Victor, and she doesn't really want to do that, and, yeah. Yeah. I want Ron to ask me, and Harry's like, you do know that, like, every girl in school wants to be asked by Victor Crumb, right? She's like, I don't care, I want Ron! <laughs> and, you know, I hear that Ron's voice in my head, then told that one. <laughs> <laughs> so... Harry's just glad she admitted it. He's got a plan. You know, there's something you can do. Uh, I don't know if you're up to it. It's it's, it's pretty tough. You you might have to you know have a strong stomach, but uh, if you can if you could just bring yourself to do it, uh, you could probably get Ron to ask you. And she's like, what? What? What, what are you going to? You have to flirt with him. Flirt? <laughs> How do I do that? And then she flips it on him. Have you asked Ginny yet? And he's like, who me? Oh, what? Why would I do a thing like that? And, you know, the girl you're always staring at? I don't stare at... Do I stare? <laughs> really? Yes, you do. Mm-hmm. And Harry's like, but why? I'm not like Victor Crumb or anything. And Hermione, like, whacks him up the head with the oblivious stick and says, you're better than Victor Crumb. You're the boy who lived. And, no, 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 no. I don't get this famous me thing. Because <laughs> apparently he's been obvious to the girls, and that's why... A bunch of the rest of them haven't been asking him to ball all over the place because they think he's sure to ask Ginny. I mean, he hasn't even considered it because he hadn't quite worked it out that far yet. No, but she says something about Ginny liking him, and he's like, really? She does? Do you know this for a fact? And she's like, no, but I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. You'll never know unless you ask her to the ball. Mm-hmm. And, but then it turns out Harry's gotten himself in trouble again. Because his whole idea of getting Hermione some flirting practice uh, backfires. backfires. Because now he is going to have to be the target while she practices. Yes. <laughs> Along with Tonks, who is her now her instructor, and Sirius and Remus, who he wrote to for advice, never a good idea, <laughs> have decided that they want to watch, so they're all over a grim old place, so that the two men can watch... Tonks and Hermione flirt with Harry. Mm-hmm. There's not going to be a problem here. <laughs> uh, i got a bad feeling about this. Mm-hmm. Apparently, even when they're not the target, it's still a little much for the two of them, though. 
And, and we have to say that Tonks is a world-class flirter. Mm-hmm. So. And Hermione's like, well, but I can't do that. You have curves and things. Yeah. <laughs> And Tonks says, oh, you know, there are still things you can do. So she she shows her several different methods mm-hmm. and then tries the real huge whammy on um, Harry. On Harry. And he just sort of... Blithering idiot. Yeah. And then they sort of uh, give him a bit of a break, and so she's going to try it on uh, Remus instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Harry's kind of off. He, he's... She's sashayed up to him and kind of grabbed him by the tie and led him across the room. And she leaves him there, and he's just kind of drooling. Well, not really, but Sirius says he's drooling. And he's standing there sort of gobsmacked, and all of a sudden, Ginny's in his face. And he's just like, oh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and <laughs> it turns out to be Tonk, who's morphed. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, yep, yeah, Hermione, you were right. He's got hey, not fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then and she trips. Harry's, Harry's talking about the um, flirting practice just a little bit earlier. He says, you know, he was perfectly aware it's a demonstration thing, but he still couldn't help himself. And it's almost like the Imperius curse, but the little voice in the back of my mind was saying some possibly indecent things instead of arguing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, those little voices in the back of your mind. Mm-hmm. So, but then Tonks trips and falls on top of Remus, and she starts flirting with Remus, and there's this whole dialogue about how nice the floor is, and you bring all the girls here to lay on the floor, and Remus is just like, uh, 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 uh. So, it's Until Sirius bursts out laughing and ruins the moment. And then he decides he's going to take him home. Mm-hmm. Have fun, you two. Don't do anything I wouldn't. And Tonks says, well, that doesn't exactly leave out much, does it? <laughs> it doesn't. But Hermione yeah. has taken her flirting lessons to heart, and she is flirting with Ron, and Ron has no idea what to do with himself. No, he really does not. And so Ron's sort of a nervous wreck, and Neville comes up to Ron and says, Hey, Harry, who are you going to take to the mall? And Harry's like, I don't know yet. Neville says, well, I was going to ask Hermione, but I can tell she's flirting with Ron, so I can't do that. So I was thinking about asking Ginny, and Harry's heart stops. He's like, yeah, but the look on your face, I can't do that either, so I think I'm going to ask Hannah. But you Honestly, better... this, this Neville, no, he, he knows. Mm-hmm. He's more observant than everybody. Give them. Yeah. It's just wonderful. It's a great Neville. Yeah. And he's sort of gives Harry a little push, because, you know, there are other people that might ask Ginny, and uh, I heard, you know, Michael Corner was talking about it, and <laughs> this isn't quite working, because Harry just can't quite work up the nerve, and finally Neville says, okay, if you don't ask her, I will. <laughs> right now. <laughs> so, Harry goes over it. Pretty much does the same thing that Hermione did. What about the bubble thing? <laughs> She's like, uh, what? <laughs> and he slows it down and says... Would you um, go to the ball with me, I mean? And she smiles uh, big and says, yes. Apparently, the uh, at least Dean and Seamus and possibly the entire group, who knows, have been betting on something about this. I'm not sure if it's when he was going to ask her or whether he was going to ask her or what. Apparently, he almost cost Dean five galleons. That's a pretty big bet. Yeah. Mm. 
I like I like Perry's little thing. Um, he steals himself. Fighting Bastulus. Facing Voldemort. Meeting a ten-foot meat-eating talking spider. Dealing with the mentors. I did those. I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess asking those girls out is tough. Well, dating's hard. Yeah. Yep. As, as, as my boyfriend would say, it just makes me laugh. He goes, I, he goes, I got used to rejection. He goes, I relished into, he goes, I relished the rejection. He goes, I was more afraid they were going to say yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what I mean? He goes, he goes, rejection I can deal with. When they said yes, that's the part of them. <laughs> now what do I do? Then <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. you said yes, our... you meanie. Yeah, I did. I'm sorry. He has more fun with me. Reminds me of our choreographer for uh, Nine to Five, and he kept um, he kept flirting with most of the guys, and um, some of them were more uncomfortable than others. So he'd kind of dial it back a bit. But uh, they were kind of getting on his case about it at one point, and he says, "Well, you know, all you have to do to get me to quit is actually respond, because if anybody ever said, okay, yeah, Bill, let's go,' he would run." <laughs> <laughs> It's all about the chase for him. He has, yeah. There you go. That's for a lot, for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of people like that chase. So, so now we're we have the boys in bed and Rod's. Harry, Harry, are you awake? And he's like, Yeah, I'm awake. <laughs> and I'm a happy kipper. And Rod's like, Harry, you think I'm losing it? God, Barney, totally mental. What if I am? Yeah. You've been mental the whole time I've known you. <laughs> Harry, I'm serious. He's like, no, you're not. You're red-haired and gangly. Well, serious. Oh, I hate that joke. <laughs> so does Rod. Apparently. And uh, he's just like, stop it. But he's like, you know, I have these feelings about Hermione. I think it's indigestion. <laughs> Harry's just like, oh man, you are so far gone. It's not even funny. And, he, mm-hmm. and of course, he does a Star Wars. Star Wars. Ah, <laughs> oh, young Jedi. Felt the Force to do then. It's like, what? Huh? What the heck? Never mind, muggle thing. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I had indigestion. Harry's just like, leave Ron to compare to indigestion. Well, you know, it fits. Food. Yeah, food related. And every time she says something, my mind just wants to make them into kind of rude things. <laughs> well, you are a guy. She's a girl. And it's like, is this a problem? But it's Hermione. I mean, she's a friend. That's 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 weird. <laughs> mm-hmm. <Yeah>. <laughs> and she, Harry says, okay, well, what would you tell me if I said I was starting to feel funny around Ginny? And Ron says, oh, I'd say watch out for a temper and I'll speak at your funeral after your first fight. <laughs> and Harry says, good. And then all of a sudden, Ron goes, wait a minute. What do you mean by good? He says, well, I asked her to the mall. You did? Mm-hmm. And Ron says, well, what do I do? And Harry says, ask Hermione to the mall. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. End of chapter. And we move on to 14, which is part three. Zigoblet of fire. And Braun just can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. You're asking far too much of me. She can't. Says, oh, okay, well, well, I guess she'll go with Victor. Oh, that Victor Crumb! Oh, now I have no chance whatsoever. And he says, no. Do you know why she's not going with Victor already? 
because she told him he'd have to think about it. And why would she do that? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> because she wants someone else to ask her. Exactly. Yes. Yay. Exactly. So he, they're sort of slowly uh, making their way down the staircase to the common room. I'm picturing Harry is walking directly behind Ron so he can't bolt back up the stairs again. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of running him down the stairs, you know, crowding mm-hmm. him so he has to go down. And they get to the bottom, and Hermione and Ginny are talking, and they can overhear. And, you mm. know, if that great git doesn't ask Hermione, I'm going to bat Bogey hex him until his sinuses fall out. And Hermione's like, I'll give him one more chance, I guess. And of course, Ron freezes. <laughs> so, Harry applies a size 8 shoe to his derriere mm. and a considerable amount of force. He trips over the last step, uh, trips over an ottoman, and slams into the couch. <laughs> and then he flips over the back of the couch and ends up with his head in the cushions. Mm. Yeah. And he's like, uh, uh, Hermione, you want to go to the restaurant with me? And she's like, uh, I can't understand a word you're saying, Ron. And he has <laughs> to write himself and ask. And while he's asking, Ginny goes over and joins Harry, and the two of them have to cast Muffliato because they're over there laughing their heads off. Mm-hmm. But Ron gets it stammered out somehow or another. He sort of starts, and he's not, it's not quite working, so... She tries another flirting move, and he freezes completely. Yeah. And Lavender says, I think you broke him. <laughs> and she, like, shoves their heads together so they almost kiss. And mm-hmm. that gets him going again. That snaps him out of his daze. Mm-hmm. And so he finally gets it out, and then she pounces on him. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta just say three words. Go down so to me? Yeah. Oh, yes, Ronald, I would positively love for you to escort me to the ball. Excuse me. <laughs> I believe I must prepare myself for bed. It is drawing late. <laughs> <laughs> Lavender goes and joins the laughing idiots over by the stairwell. Mm-hmm. And, uh, is and it- then Seamus walked in. Yeah. Cause, and <laughs> there's Ron sitting on the couch, sort of staring at nothing. And the three of them over to the stairs laughing hysterically. And they just sort of stare at him when he wants to know what's going on. And then they just laugh some more. And it's like, uh, they've all got nuts. And we have Minnie who wanders over to the Dumbledore staircase and says, Oh, please, we cannot call her Minnie. Because every time people call her Minnie, I think it's Minnie Mouse. And I can't do it. <laughs> We have Minerva. 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 Mm-hmm. No, Minnie. They're, they're having a something of a staff meeting. Um, yes. I guess not really. They're just, they're all in Dumbledore's office talking about things. And because Remus apparently has a great opportunity coming up that we don't get to know about in this particular group of chapters. Um, Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong author. I think that's another one. I know. Sorry. It's all right. So and uh, it turns out that Professor McGonagall has a little window that she can look in on the common room with, and she has been witnessing all this hilarity over Ron 
on finally asking Hermione to the ball. Mm-hmm. And so she narrates it for the rest of the teachers. Yeah. And she's miss- kind of feeling a bit bad about it because this is how they should be all the time. And it's so rare that this kind of thing happens. Yeah, because the war is looming. But it makes Remus reminisce, and he's like, I remember six years in the chaos we had for the Valentine's Ball. And, yeah, lots of fun there. So they ask her to tell exactly what happened, and she manages to cheer up a little bit as she does. And the boys, they can't remember the day leading up to the ball. Their first conscious memory is their dates. Sweeping down the stairs... And both their minds go blank and their jaws drop open and that's all they know. Mm-hmm. Oh, it doesn't say what we're on war. No. No, it doesn't really. I suppose he fixed up his dress robes a little bit. And so the uh, weird sisters are playing and things are going really well, except for at one point they have a little technical difficulty and the enchanter microphones being used uh, give this really bad feedback. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm not really sure that um, magical microphones would have feedback the same way, but it provides a handy little hint for Harry to uh, try muffling the sound from the Yeah, actually, egg. it was Hermione, I think, that thought of it first, and she drags the rest outside so they can talk. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so they worked that out, how to figure out the clue, possibly, and they're trying, and Ron suggests covering it with a bunch of pillows or something. Um, Somebody says it sounded like a dolphin, so they think about maybe opening it underwater. Mm-hmm. Yes, Harry's trying to come up with a list of what it sounds like, and uh, that was one of them. A banshee, so, the cry of a mandrake root, or a really loud and angry dolphin. That's it! Underwater! Is Ginny. And they decide to go back in and dance. Well, th- they talk about going back in to dance, but Ron's like, ooh, or we could sit out here and snog. Harry sees... <laughs> Hagrid's sneaking out with Madame Maxine, and so he kind of needs to nudge Ron back in the direction of the ball. So he says, uh, you know, there's food in there, right? They've got a full buffet. And he's sort of um, torn, because a lot of food and, you know, snogging Hermione. And eh, what should he do? And Hermione says, okay, let's just go back in before you start thinking my head looks like a ham or something. (laughs) (laughs) So we change scenes, and he's tried putting the pillow under the egg under the pillows, and that really doesn't, that doesn't do work. So he's yeah. got to go underwater, and he wades out into the lake. And in his boxers, he strips down to his boxers. I imagine cold. this is probably pretty cold. And why he doesn't have a bathing hmm. suit, I don't know. Yeah, Maybe it's not a warming it's charm. It's December on. at this point. Mm. Yeah. So I guess they must just have the the ordinary dorms must just have showers or something because he doesn't think of doing a bathtub and Cedric's not there to show him for the prefix bath. So right, and uh, he does manage to get the the rhyme out of the egg anyway, and because he did it under the lake, the Merc people have noticed and come up and give him a little cheer for working it out. So he gets to meet them before the task, or at least see them. Some of them. Yeah, and they. I mean, and then it kind of, this also kind of diffuses him going crazy and saving saving everybody. You would think. Mm, a little bit. So he figures out, you know, he's going to have to go underwater and get something that they've taken from him, and he's trying to kind of work out what it is. He hopes it isn't his um, firebolt or the marauder's map, because, you know, that would not respond well to being underwater. And, mm. Oh, jeez. So 
idiot. And Hermione's like, an hour underwater, that's a long time. You know, I could probably come up with some things, but to help you breathe underwater, but you're going to have trouble swimming and stuff. And we hear this little voice that says, underwater? What about gillyweed? And it's <laughs> Neville. He was just reading about it in the book that Professor Moody kindly gave to him. For Christmas. Wasn't that nice of Moody? And so this works out. This is great because this actually works out the way Moody plans it to work out. Um, and it doesn't work out that way in canon. Because <laughs> the whole reason that Moody gave Neville the book is so Neville would tell Harry about this. <laughs> so it's nice and to see that. And Harry's too stubborn to ask anybody anything. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And I guess that's how it works out in the movie, too, because they figured that was simpler mm-hmm. than bringing Dobby yeah. in again. But. So Ron says, well, you can get, you know, Harry says, well, how am I going to get Gillyweed? And Ron says, well, send Dobby. Dobby's allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. He can- uh, so can make purchases from the family vaults. Yeah. And so they call him to see if he'll actually come. And poof, he shows up all dressed in this funky little uniform suggested by Mrs. Doozy. Doozy. Yep. She seems to like Dobby, he says with a grin. And Harry's like, Doozy? Oh, and Petunia. Okay, I got you. And so she's dressing yes, She insists like on helping Dobby with chores. Yep. <laughs> He's got a little mini muggle tuxedo. He does. Which I would consider clothes, but apparently that's just me. Yeah. As long as it counts as a uniform. And I figure it probably helps that it's Petunia giving it to him and not Harry. Mm-hmm. It's not actually his master handing him clothes. Right. So. And so Harry says, I just need you to give me some gillyweed the day before the second task, okay? And he's like, right. Oh, great and nor- noble master. And he, Harry's like, and can you stop calling me great and noble, please? Yeah. Mm, yeah. And poor Neville. Oh, and like, he's so humble. <laughs> yeah. And Neville's like, that is one strange little elf. They're like, yeah, we know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh-oh. Ring, ring, ring. And then the phone rings. Oh, wait, no. It's the handyman. Yay! <laughs> oh, the funny thing is, in the next chapter, the alarm clock rings. It does. But not quite the thing. And we have a flashback for chapter 16. We go to September 20th, and Vernon doesn't want to get out of bed, which I sympathize with. Me too. I really want to get out of bed. <laughs> I have to go to work early tomorrow. I need to remember I have to go to work early tomorrow. And I'm half mm. expecting my cell phone to go off with the Harry Potter music because the teacher that whose class I'm supposed to be in tomorrow went home sick this afternoon, and I have a feeling I'm going to get a call saying, can you come in and work for an entire shift instead of just going on the field trip? Mm. So, let's see. I understand the hitting the snooze button, too. Yeah. I know someone hits the snooze button about seven times. It really, it's very, very irritating. Mm-hmm. I like to only hear that alarm once, and I get up because I don't want to hear it again. Yeah, I can understand that. So Vernon's drug himself out of bed. Petunia's awake for a while, but her, her spot's still warm, so she can't have been up too long. And he shucks his night clothes and gets in the shower. A little while later, he comes downstairs. He's all fresh and neat. Tinia's finishing frying eggs and bacon and is working on some for herself. And he's like, good morning, pet. This is her tender oh. cheek. Because we need oh. you to like that part. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he's kind of pushing his food around the plate. He's just not happy. 
And she says, what's the matter? You usually eat a lot. Today, you're not hardly eating anything. And he said, it's just that I can't keep doing this pet. I cannot keep pretending to be someone I'm not anymore. And I was like, yay, Trisha, you are right. <laughs> he's not gonna, he's gonna change. He can't handle this anymore. And he plunks down his fork and he says, you know, I've been keeping up this masquerade for 15 years. 15 years! And she's like, yeah, I know, 15 years. And she's starting to worry. And he's like, no more. I will no longer hide the man I really am. I swear this. And as she He's goes, resigning from Gringotts. From Gringotts. Yeah. Running, yeah. not Gringotts. <laughs> Yeah, details. Details. And he's gonna... That would be fun, actually. <laughs> trying to see Vernon working at Gringotts. Vernon at Gringotts, yeah, with the goblins. I don't think he'd survive. Yeah. With the goblins. Yeah. No, they'd feed him to the dragon on his first day, and that would have been it. <laughs> oh, he'd be, he'd be good. He'd be pretty better than a mouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he'd keep that dragon happy for a while. Mm-hmm. So he says... Might not have meat for a year. I don't think he's quite like a snake, dragons, but maybe. It'd keep him for a while, at least. So he's saying, I, I'm not going to allow my dignity and my pride to be dragged any lower than they've already been. And wherever job I apply to, I'm going to check it into it and make sure that they're the type of company that my conscience can accept. And she's really proud of him, Ms. Petunia, but she's a little worried about money. You know, what are we going to oh, do? Yeah. And into this discussion comes the coffee-bearing Remus. Mm-hmm. He says, so um, how long exactly do you think your savings will last? And he says, oh, probably a year or maybe a year and a half. But why do you ask? And he just grins at him. And <laughs> Vernon's not sure he likes what this grin looks like. <laughs> no. He's been around Remus enough to know that when you get that grin, something bad's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So... So Vernon is uh, keeping himself busy mm-hmm. because he's a little nervous. He's working on reorganizing the living room for the third time. <laughs> Remus has promised him a guaranteed job, but he won't tell him where it is or when it is or anything like that. So he's just got to come up with busy work to keep himself going. When mm-hmm. all of a sudden we have pop. And he's like, hmm, that doesn't sound like apparition, and people aren't supposed to apparate into the house anyhow. I wonder what that was, and he turns around to find Dobby. And he has no idea what Dobby is. Mm -hmm. I thought Mrs. Thursley was helpful. But this is, we've gone back. This was the flashback in September. Oh, so confused. All right. Yeah, we're still in the flashback. Mm -hmm. And so... Begging sir's pardon, but I is Dobby, says the creature. How self to Master Harry Potter? Are you Master Potter's father? And Vernon's like, well, pardon me, I'm his uncle, but he's, I love him like he's my own. And he mm-hmm. reaches and down. And he tries to shake his hand. <laughs> Dobby mm-hmm. has no idea what that means. But he's very excited that he he's finally got the right house. He tried two more before this, apparently. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if there are other houses that Harry owns that Harry doesn't know he owns and that they might come back, come up later in the story. I don't know. Yeah. Could be. That's nice foreshadowing. Yeah, if it's true. I, I haven't read far enough ahead to know. Yeah. Either that or he's just been hopping around Privet Drive because all the houses look the same. That's possible. Mm-hmm. Although you'd think he would run into some screaming neighbors in that case. Yeah, uh, there wouldn't be empty houses. That's what makes me think that... They're Harry's houses because they were empty. 
But he doesn't know what the hand means, and he asks Uncle Vernon, and Vernon says, well, this is by way of greeting you. and you know, Extending a hand and welcome. You know, ecstatic. Not only is Harry Potter a wonderful being, but his family is too. You know. and, yeah, right. So you were telling me what the household? <laughs> so Dobby tells him what he is, and then Petunia shows up. But in the meantime, Vernon is slightly upset that Harry would accept the slavery of another living being. And he's going to have words with poor Harry. And he's thinking that if Remus would help, that maybe he ought to send Harry a howler. And I love that. Just the whole idea of Harry getting a howler from Uncle Vernon, that's great. And you know that in canon, if they knew about howlers, they'd be oh, sending they would one every it. day. Oh, yeah. If they could get past the whole magic thing. Well, yeah, I think they could get past the whole magic thing to make Harry's no, life just, miserable. Oh, Dudley would do it. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. And, and um, Petunia is also not, she's displeased about this slavery thing, and she actually says that, and Dobby says, oh, no, uh, he's, he's getting three galleons a day and Sundays off, and originally it was five galleons a day and sun, Sundays and Saturdays, but Dobby talked him down. <laughs> Dobby's good at talking him down. <laughs> yeah. So she figures out the clothes thing and says, now you can't accept clothes or your contract's up, but can you accept a uniform? And we figure out that he can, so she starts dressing him up. <laughs> mm-hmm. I want to see the photo album of all of Dobby's different uniforms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and return to present. Okay. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was a little confused there. Yes. And yeah. now we're in the morning of the second task, and Harry's waking up to this awful, tolerable smell. And Dobby has brought your gillyweed, Harry Potter, sir. Yay! And he's like, oh, man, the second task. And he jumps up and runs downstairs where he finds Ron and Hermione, but no Ginny. Where's Ginny? Hmm. And strangely, Cedric Diggory's girlfriend Cho Chang is missing, and Parvati, whom Victor has been hanging around with, is missing, and Harry kind of works out what's going on. Yeah. He's with the merfolk. Yeah. And that stops Ron in his tracks. She's underwater? <sighs> so, they hurry down to the lake, and the starting gun goes off, and Harry shoves Gillyweed in his mouth and jumps in, and the water's like freezing cold. And then all of a sudden, it gets warm, and his hands start to grow, and his hands and great feet start to web up, and he gets gills, and he quickly swims to the bottom of the lake. Mm-hmm. And we have a whole underwater city, which I don't think got described in camp, and it's kind of neat how he goes into the details with this. And uh, the children, merfolk, are laughing and pointing. This is mm-hmm. the, the funny man with two tails. <laughs> Split tail. Yep. And... Uh, you know, they don't have fire, but they've been able to, so they can't work metal, but they've been able to work coral and stuff to make these wonderful dwellings mm-hmm. and different things. I'm wondering if there wouldn't be a, a spell like the bluebell flames and such that would work underwater, but mm-hmm. I suppose it would never have occurred to them, really, yeah, as far as merfolk are concerned. I'm not sure that merfolk are magical. Yeah, yeah they may not be. They don't have wands, so they probably wouldn't be able to use that anyhow. Good point. So, and Harry rushes to Jenny and unties her feet, and she just kind of floats there, and then he glances at Cho and Pavardi, 
he considers them well-liked acquaintances, not exactly friends, but, you know. And there's this innocent little girl on the other side that he's not really sure who she is, but figures she must belong to, to uh, Fleur somehow. No. And he decides to wait a minute. And, and the, one of the mermaids who saw him when he worked out his clue comes up and wants to know why is he waiting, and... He says, you know, I have to make sure that everybody makes it out. And she says, you can only take one. Only what you would miss the most. They must have their chance. And she starts to say, but. And he says, but what? And she says, I can't say. And I don't know if we ever work out what that was. I think she knows about Fleur. That's my guess. Oh, yeah, because she's already been taken out. Mm -hmm. Could be. So Cedric comes, and he's got the uh, bubblehead charm on. And he starts untying Cho. And as he's doing that, he's kind of looking at Harry and he's saying, like, why are you still here? And Harry points to Brevardi and Cho and he mouths back Fred. And they indicate the little girl and Fleur. And yeah, Cedric says, Fleur's out. And so while they're doing this, Victor shows up as part of the shark. Shark and Land shark. This <laughs> only reminds me of the shark. the shark that Scott just posted on the forum the other day. That's yep. very good. And um, the mermen don't know what's going on and think this is some strange monstrous creatures attacking the hostages. And so he's going to throw a harpoon at him. And Cedric leaps in front of the harpoon. Mm-hmm. And it um, pops his bubblehead charm. Yeah. Which... I'm not really sure if that would do that with a charm, but maybe. And I guess it could be like one of those things where you have to be um, subconsciously maintaining it, and if you get startled enough, it would fail or something like that. I don't know. But yeah, and I th- I think of it as like a bubble, which would be really easy to pop, and so mm-hmm. I could see you know it kind of grazing in, and, and they're looking at it more like a almost like a sack. So if you cut it, then it starts to fill up with water. But mm-hmm. it says that the um, harpoon sort of ricochets off of it. And my my visualization of it, the harpoon wouldn't have, you know, ricocheted off of it. It would have gone right through it. So I'm not quite thinking the same way this author's thinking. Yeah. It's another one of those things that's slightly odd, but it works for the purposes of the story. Mm-hmm. So Harry jumps into action and, you know kind of shoves Cho at Cedric and says, hold on, and grabs Fleur, uh, not Fleur, Gabrielle and Ginny, and starts swimming, and he's kind of tied them together with Cedric, and he's swimming to the top of the lake for everything he's worth. And they burst through, and of course, the minute that Ginny's head hits the air, she wakes up, so he's like, come on, help me! And they start pulling Cedric and Cho up, and Cedric's not breathing. They drag him to shore as quickly as they can. And, and Ginny Harry, helps. Harry's gillyweed is running out. Mm-hmm. Ginny helps uh, Gabrielle. We don't know it's Gabrielle yet, but it's easier to say that than the little girl. Mm-hmm. We can they, call her Gabby. Yeah. They reach the, the shore, and I love this. Harry, if Harry hadn't been around Muggles, he wouldn't have understood why Cho tossed herself onto Cedric and started kissing him. But He's recognized this as she's giving him mouth-to-mouth and CPR while waiting for the Mediwitches to arrive. And while she's doing that, the little girl and Ginny show up, and Fleur 
You saved her. You saved Gabrielle, my sister, mm-hmm. even though she's not your hostage. And she kisses him. She kisses him on each cheek. Wow, you, blushes, you, su- and you so sound so Swedish. I sound Swedish, sir. Thank you. You, you sound a Swedish. You sound a Swedish. You know, I can't House. do accents. We already know this. It's firmly established. All Orgs accents turn Italian. Well, apparently all Ryans turned Indian, so... <laughs> According to Danielle. Yeah. So Gabrielle is like, Mr. Potter, should I be your sister? Mary's like, I guess. <laughs> she wants to know if he has any sisters, and no, he doesn't really, except sort of Hermione. And she, yeah, she wants to know if he would mind. And he says, mm, okay, whatever. <laughs> sort of nods at her, because he can't really talk. I find it interesting that uh, they write Gabrielle as having less accent than Fleur, which kind of makes sense if she knew she was coming anyway. Mm-hmm. And more English. If that, yeah. If that's something they were learning, it would make sense that Gabrielle would um, pick it up better. On the other hand, if that wasn't, if she wasn't planning to necessarily come to England, then she'd probably have more of an accent than Fleur, but it works either way, so. And then, uh, Madame Pomfrey shows up to check on them and make sure they're okay and gives them warm towels and doses of pepper up potion and Cedric has regained consciousness and he's gonna be okay. And here comes Crumb and Vardy over to join the rest of the group. And Crumb looks at Cedric and says, I heard what you did and I, I owe you a, a debt of honor. <laughs> Cedric's not quite sure what to say and he's like, uh, can we discuss this later? Because I'm a little overwhelmed. Okay. Yeah. And then he, you know, turns to Harry and he says, "I, you should be proud too, Mr. Potter. Madame Pomfrey told me what you did. And this becomes kind of a real bonding thing for these this group of people. And, of course, then we have Ludo who says, Ladies and gentlemen, we've reached our decision. We've talked to the merfolk and we know what happened down below the lake. And... So apparently this version of Task does not have um, giant screens or anything for people to watch stuff on. Yeah, this has to have been like the most boring Task at all for all of the spectators because it's like, oh, they jumped in the water. Okay, let's wait for an hour. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, there's nothing to see. So they award... They probably had food vendors or something, I don't know. Yeah, well, they had the twins. Or they left and came back in half an hour. (laughs) (laughs) We'll let you know if anybody shows up. So Fleur's getting 25 points because she did a great bubblehead charm, but the Grindelow's got her. And she yells and says, I should have zero! And they're like, tough! We're giving you 25! Because we're happy like that. Yeah. And Victor, who's the first to get back with his hostage, gets 40 points. Cedric, uh was unable to, you know, bring his hostage back under his own power, but we found out that the reason was because he jumped in front of a spear thrown at Crumb, so we're going to give him 35 points. And, of course, Harry gets lots and lots of points because he stayed down there and saved everybody and probably saved Cedric's life. So he gets 45. He's in the lead. He is in the lead. There we go. And we find out that the four Triwizard Champions have grown quite close to each other, and they're hanging out together, and Hermione's 
kind of okay with this, but she's, you know, and Ron's yeah. kind of like, I don't know what's going on, but he's feeling a little left out. No. And so. Yeah. Harry's kind of trying to encourage them to just spend some time together, but it's still not quite the same. Turns out that's what they're, he's been spending all his time, um, getting together with the champions and working on their relationships and, uh, <laughs> Ginny is relieved that uh, Fleur is now treating him like a younger brother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. But Harry mm-hmm. calls Ron one afternoon in mid-March, and they all kind of get together. And so it's it's the four champions plus Gabrielle and Ron and Hermione, and I think Cho and Pavard. Ginny and Cho. Ginny and Cho. Yeah. So it's all the champions all of- and all their girlfriends and siblings. And Ron. And sister. <laughs> and sister, yeah. It's the champions and their treasures and Harry's uh, two friends. Yeah. And they kind of start talking about what happened, and Harry pretty much swears them to secrecy and then tells them about the prophecy. And then, mm-hmm. you know, there's a possibility that Voldemort could come back and that they all need to kind of band together and work together. And isn't this great? We've got this inter-school, inter-country friendship going on, and it's really cool. And he tells him about the Order of the Phoenix, probably because names so from Fox. And they uh, make they, the they should make up their own order of some sort. And Crumb says, well, do you know about Horcruxes? Because Crumb knows about Horcruxes because they teach the dark arts at Durnstrang. And Ginny realizes that the diary was a Horcrux. And that really gets hmm. them all thinking. And, of course, Harry says Voldemort, and they all kind of flinch, and Harry does his... Fear of a name speech and gets them all to call him Voldemort. And I love Crumb. Viet Durmstrang are not permitted, permitted to call Voldemort anything but the Dark Lord. And then again he adds with a smile, we're not a Durmstrang now, are we? <laughs> so he's going to call him that. And they called him Boldy Shorts. Boldy Shorts, there you go. That's the twins later, I think. So... He, Harry gets him to swear and tells him about the proper prophecy, and then they decide that they're going to name themselves. They come up with several names, but they end up, they're going to be the Order of the Egg? The Order of the Golden, the Golden Egg. Egg. Yes, there we go. It's Gabrielle's idea. Because yes. she refuses to go off the bed. She wants to be part of this whole thing, too. Well, you know, it's his, her brother now. She wants to be mm-hmm. And the other thing we skipped over a little bit, or I guess we're kind of jumping about around the scene, when Crumb explains Horcruxes to them, Ginny figures out that's what the diary was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then, and they, they sort of, they work out or at least assume that he must have had more than one, because if that was his only Horcrux and it was destroyed, then he shouldn't still be around. Be able to come. Well, the thing is, one, the go- one, they already know there's two parts of him. They never said that, um, the one, the one that died in the, well, no, um, what's his name? Voldemort? Coral. Coral. Mm-hmm. The one, the part that was in Coral ever really died. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think it did. It just gets away. Coral dies, but the part that's inhabiting yeah. floats away. Yeah, so. And so they all, you know, do the handshake, one hand on top of the other, on top of the other. And as Crumb places his broom calloused hand on top, a pulse radiates from them. And many floors away, as Albus prepares to go to bed, he feels a ripple in the magic of Hogwarts. And he wonders what that was. 
And Phineas Nigella's block says, I would say that's the passing of the torch, Alice. Mm-hmm. Then we move on. Dun-dun-dun. Chapter 17. 17. Goblet of Fire 5. Yep. So. <laughs> and we start with Fred and George, who are taking a certain opportunity to go Mission Impossible in Professor Snape's office. Yes. Yes. The, the Mission Impossible. Yes. Totally good. <laughs> they come up to each other in the wall, and they look up and down the corridor, and they do a shoulder roll into the room. <laughs> Wand out and ready. Sweep the surroundings. Mm-hmm. Sidestep over to the potion master's desk, and then leave. Less than five Less minutes than later. Five minutes later, they were three floors away. That's all we know. And we find out that even though the visiting schools have their own quarters, Victor Crom and Fleur and others are spending evenings in the Gryffindor common room. And Cho Chang, Cedric, Cedric are coming by yeah. too. And Alicia says that's okay, or Angelina says that's okay, because Cedric won't be able to play Quidditch this year, and Cho isn't that much of a challenge, so they're not going (laughs) to learn any secrets. Well, they're not playing Quidditch, though. Right. Mm -hmm. And it starts to have this ripple effect. Yeah, it spreads through most of the castle. The Hufflepuffs and Ravenclaws and Gryffindors are in each other's common rooms all the time, except for Slytherins, because... Some of the uh, nicer Slytherins are invited, and occasionally, to start with, they always accepted, but then they didn't show up. And then they start being rejected, because you realize that Malfoy and the other less-than-nice Slytherins are keeping them kind of mewed up in the covenants. They're not allowed to come and uh, intermingle, fraternize with the enemy. No, No fraternizing of that. That's not good. So we move on to the day before the third task, and Gryffindor is having a great big party mm-hmm. with lots of Ravenclaws and Hufflepuffs, because oh, okay. the champions are having a party for the next day. Yeah. And the Weasley Finns are having a great time passing out canary creams and the like, and uh, doing various tricks and banter, and yeah. trying out their personal, personally invented spell, Twin Guardian Leviosa. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Where they use Ginny's own stuffed dragon, Puffy, to uh, reenact Harry's encounter with the Hungarian horntail. Seems to me that last time we did this, Scott and I both started singing Puff the Magic Dragon about the same time here. (laughs) Yes, I'm sure I can find Puff the Magic Dragon. And so they, you know, hang out. And I guess they're doing, tomorrow is the day when all the family are showing up. Mm-hmm. And um, Harry's invited the Dursleys, but they've also, he's also got um, Ludo and Albus to let him invite the Weasleys as well. And Cedric has invited his own family and Cho's family. And Victor wanted to invite Parvati's family, but her father's an unspeakable, so he couldn't have them. 
stay off of work. Yeah, and his and mother, her mother's out of town. And they decide that they uh, must be well and truly caught because they're all inviting their girlfriends' families to mm-hmm. the event. And they're thinking to themselves, well, we need to come up with some lucky guy for uh, Fleur. And Jenny's like, well, you know, I do have six, uh, well, five unattached brothers. And mm-hmm. <laughs> Fleur kind of sees them and comes over and says, what are you guys planning? Something I should know? And they all just kind of grin. And the great tabby cat with spectacle markings heads off to the staff room again. Mm -hmm. She's got some more fun stories to share. Yeah. She wasn't satisfied with just spying on him through the magic window this time. She had to go in as a kitty cat and really check it out. Mm -hmm. I don't mind. So. I would do the same thing. And then we come to Trisha's favorite part of the story, Severus Snape. (laughs) She's had a long day. Severus Snape. Because apparently some of the Slytherins, having heard about this big party, decided they were going to go and crash it and cause problems. And But fortunately, it was the not-so-finest Slytherins, mm-hmm. and they got lost. Well, and, <laughs> and uh, they uh, and set off... Doyle dropped one of his gun bombs. Down yeah. his clothes, down his robe, and set it off with... About of accidental magic, which set off all the rest of them, so now they all stink. Yeah. yeah I guess they didn't get lost. It's just that uh, Snape caught them before they could go much of anywhere, and he was, you know, giving them a talking to about not doing that, and that's when Goyle drops his... <laughs> oh, Goyle rules! Not so much in this case. Not in this case. Yep. And... So there was a lot of concentrated dung bomb smoke through the entire um, area of corridor, <laughs> and Alfway and Crab and Knot are in a isolated wing of the hospital wing because they can't stand to do anything else, and mm-hmm. no one else can stand to be around them. Uh, Goyle was actually injured because the one in his robes was going off, but only a, a little bit. But because he was slightly injured, the dung bomb smoke got into his wound, meaning that he now sweats dung bombs now for the next hour, so at least the next three days. <laughs> this is a nasty, nasty thing, this dung bombs. I didn't know they were so bad. And so poor Snape, he's trying to clean himself off with a scourgeify, but it doesn't work, so he's got to take a bath. And he's soaking in the bath. Oh, my God! And he's having Sorry. a nice time. He's got his little rubber ducky, and he's, you know, doing his occlumency. And he's just... Okay. Two points for whoever Whoever can make Snape in a bathtub with a rubber ducky singing. Okay. I need to be an art. Yeah, no, I, I will award I points for Trisha. Thank you. Even though I can't get points, but someone award points for me. Yeah. So he's he's clean and he's smelling nice and he's dressed and ready to go and the last thing he, he needs is a little bit of brill cream that he's left. Wow. Yeah. Apparently that's what he uses all the time. Is he uses muggle brill cream to keep his hair nice and smooth and out of his way. This is why everybody thinks it's greasy. Um, because basically that's what brill cream is, but you know. <laughs> Lifeless hair can take the fun out of your life, but you can put it back with Brill Cream. With Brill Cream, a little dab will do you. What?
Watch Grill Cream put life, life, life in dry hair and fun back into your life. Grill Cream gives your hair that look the ladies love. Grill Cream, a little babble do ya. Grill Cream, you look so never there. And, uh, a little babble do ya. And he's so um, relaxed from his bath and everything that he's just, you know, massaging his head and getting everything in there and doesn't really pay much attention and heads off to meet with the headmaster and the rest of the professors. Uh, and we shift over to that meeting where Minerva is telling her story about the party. Right. And we, Percy's we have, there. Yep, Percy and Ludo and Madame Maxime. And seems like Karkaroff should be there somewhere. But yeah, he's there. There you go. Yeah. Percy's representing Barty Crouch Sr., and um, so they're hearing the story, and Percy's quite proud of his brothers and sister, because mm-hmm. uh, they fully understand the importance of international cooperation now. Yes. Although I'm sure they would smack <laughs> him on the back of the head if he actually tried to tell him that. <laughs> Karkaroff is like, you say all four of the champions and their escorts were consorting with each other? <laughs> Minerva's like, yep, that's what I said. They figured out the intention of, the true intention of the tournament. And so we have a good moment. It's outstanding. And Ludo says, oh, I knew this was a good idea. Simply smashing. But unfortunately, they still don't quite know how Harry got his name in the goblet. Even Karkaroff admits it wasn't Albus or Harry that did it. Right. But that's kind of disturbing. And then Snake comes in and says, oh, sorry for being late. Uh, my charges were being mischievous. And, and so uh, yep, he explains the whole they want to know, um, what exactly, what sort of mischief was that? Um, so Madame Maxine says, so it wasn't, uh, for example, die bombs or anything like that? Oh, no, no. Any Slytherin intelligent enough to do that would also be intelligent enough to know that he shouldn't be doing it well. The guests are here, and he nods at Madame and a strand of bright red hair falls into his view, and he breathes. Yes, he does. I love what he says. Headmaster, would you perhaps have a mirror I could utilize for a moment? He asks, most unnaturally calm. And Dumbledore's like, certainly, and they answer over a mirror. Yep. And the Gothical says, well, it appears you're not the only head of house who's charges for being mischievous tonight. Because <laughs> she knows who it was. Yeah, pretty much everybody knows pretty much who it was. In this on the Weasley Boys. Mm-hmm. And it says, it's like, we have really some- Standing outside Dumbledore's office, they would have heard a terrible scream of rage. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm picturing those moments in the movies where you have the uh, pull back on the large forest scene and then there's the birds fluttering up from wherever they just mm-hmm. were because there's a scream. So before we uh, change scenes here, I'm going to drag us off topic just a minute. I have Twitter open as we're doing this, and uh, Melissa Nelly just tweeted, um, the LeakyCon opening ceremony, if we pull it, pull it off, will be fairly impossible to beat ever. Yay! <laughs> 
<laughs> says, I'm scared of it, so I'm tweeting this so I can remind myself that it's arriving in 10 weeks. Yay! Sorry. Have to squeak. By the time this comes out, we will all have been to LinkedIn already, and the screen will be over, but that just made me happy, and I had to share. Mm-hmm. We might have to podcast from LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Trisha, you know, they're having a race. LinkedIn's doing a race. I think you need to go. <gasps> Where is, where is LinkedIn going to be? Here. Portland. Yep. Oh, oh, everybody's coming. Uh, People are coming to stay weeks. with me. I'll be feeding them. You're welcome. Uh, ten weeks, huh? Yeah. It's been ten weeks. Yeah, it's the end of uh, June. End of June. 26th to 30th. It's a 5K, so it's not, it's not an outrageous uh, race. No, that's not outrageous at all. Swick, Swick and Flish is going to be running in it, he told me the other day. Uh-huh. So, twisting uh, arm here. Twisting, twisting it hard. Oh. Uh, I know it. Scott's coming. Uh, uh, Ollie's coming. Kat's coming. Oh. Uh, did Sally actually uh, confirm? She still hasn't bought her ticket yet, but she keeps telling me she's coming. Hmm. Um, how, much is ticket, how much is ticket for the Keycon? 160 now. It's gone up. Oh. But that's four days. That's for uh, the Star Kids are going to be here. The opening ceremonies, a bunch of rock. Uh, there'll be a ball. Um, yeah, it's going to be really exciting. You know, just something to think about, Trisha. I'll, I'll, I'll cook for you. Oh, that's it. You're evil. <laughs> yeah. I know. That's at least one cost you won't have. Yeah. You won't have to do the hotel thing necessarily. No, we've got room here, and, and Kat's doing a hotel so we can crash in our hotel if we are too tired to drive home, is what I've been told. So. What was that? I just started laughing. It's a nerdy, awesome fun. Nerdy, awesome fun. That's us, man. We're going to have fun. We're way on course. Um, oh, we were. Yeah. oh, yes. We're seen changing to Uncle Lennon shows up. Mm-hmm. He wants to know if Harry's prepared for the day's events. And, and Harry's excited to see him. Mm-hmm. And yeah. even Dudley got to come because smell things let him out for the day. And Harry's and like, Ron apparently let him into the common yeah. room. Yeah. And everybody else is downstairs waiting. Then they go down, and, and Vernon doesn't tell him that he's quit runnings. He just kind of lets it go. And besides the Dursleys, Hermione, Ginny, Ron, and the rest of the Weasleys are there. Except for maybe Charlie. Yeah. And when Petunia comes over and fusses over him a bit, Fred and George, of course, pick it up. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's so noble, so polite, so um, so brave. Especially brave, my good man, considering he's snogging our little sister. <laughs> <laughs> and Ginny's like, get it right, Fred. He's not snogging me. I'm snogging him. <laughs> and she gives him a big old smack right in front of her mother, who's like, woo. And Dean and Neville and Seamus are cheering, and then Bill glares at them, so they stop. If <laughs> <laughs> Harry actually survives this next task, Bill thinks he might have to have a talk with him. Yeah. Harry says, ah, hmm. Maybe he doesn't want to survive. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we've got the arena and the champions and Mad-Eye Moody's looking at Harry going, Get a hold of yourself, boy. You've got fans. You don't want to disappoint. And he squints up at the top box and everybody's up there, including Tonks, with her pink hair. Yep. <laughs> the only time I like pink is on top. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Dumbledore gives him a little talking to, and he's like, you know, I know that you guys are all really close, but don't throw the, the tournament just for that. Just, you know, do your best, and you don't have to really beat each other kind of a thing, but just do, do a good job. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about the prize and the crowd and stuff. Just have a good contest. Mm-hmm. And Harry gets to go first because he's in the lead. Yep. And then Cedric comes in, and then Fleur and Victor. And as within canon, he doesn't encounter much, but he, you know, runs into Cedric, who's pale and shaking because he's run into one of Hagrid's blasted at Scrooge. It's enormous! Mm-hmm. And, and Harry runs into a Dementor and conjures his patroness, and then he realizes, oh, it's actually a bogger because Dementors don't trip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it goes away. And then, and then we have... Uh, a little bit of a divergence point, because since they're all friends, Fleur is urging Victor to fight his imperious curse he's under, yeah. and he manages to break it. Yeah. You can fight it, you can fight it, and he does, and so then they all go their separate ways, because they're kind of in a four, four-way four area right there, so they each take a different direction and take off. And mm-hmm. pretty soon he runs into the Sphinx, and... She says, do you need a moment, or are you prepared to deal with me? And he's like, ah, can I catch my breath, please? <laughs> she says, of course. I'm not without manners, you know. Harry has not been running half marathons. No, he hasn't. No, he hasn't been running at all. And he, you know, she tells him, if you answer correctly, I'll let you pass. Incorrectly, and I attack. And do not answer, and you may withdraw and scathe. And he mm-hmm. says, thank you, and calls her ma'am. And she's like, wow, very polite, even to one considered a beast. You must have a knack for making allies. But I must still ask you my riddle. And it's a different riddle than the canon one, Mm -hmm. which is always kind of fun. Yep. You want to read it? I never was, am always to be. No one ever saw me, nor ever will. And yet I am the confidence of all to live and breathe on this terrestrial ball. And Harry sort of stands there and (laughs) says, Mm-hmm. Okay, um, future something rather on the world, uh, me tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> Correct! And good luck! And off he goes. And he bursts out into a clearing, and there's the cup, but Cedric's a little bit ahead of him, and he says, I'll race you for it! And Harry's about to answer, and then all of a sudden he yells, Duck! And reducto! And of course, Cedric ducks and just in time to see the acromalanchula, the size of a small hut, fly backwards because of Harry's blasting curse, which I don't know that Harry's actually strong enough for, but okay. And then Harry whoops for joy and says, I'll race you for it, and races across to the cup and grabs it and disappears. And Cedric's yeah. like, Harry! Another one of those zoom out. Like, so Cedric doesn't Nope. It's true. Not yet. I don't know if he does, because mm-hmm. I haven't run any further. And I don't know. I guess um, in this version, Harry and the rest of them were doing a lot more studying of different spells and stuff, so mm-hmm. he might have managed to work up his reduction a little bit better. And, and, of course, that is the end of the chapter. It is. Gotta have a cliffhanger. And we're on to Chapter 18, Goblet of Fire 6. And Harry lands in a heap, as usual with Porky's. <laughs> And he's in an oddly familiar graveyard. Which is not exactly the kind of place one wants to find oneself, especially when it's almost nighttime. Right. 
And he sees the tombstone saying Harry, R- Harry Riddle, Tom Riddle, and he recognizes it from the diary. And then he hears And then there are footsteps and the mysterious figure and his scar starts painting him wildly and Voldemort says, welcome to my new birthday. And we shift back to... Now back to Meanwhile, back on the Quidditch pitch. He's cursing as he comes out from underneath the invisibility cloak. And Cedric's like, Professor, did you see that? Harry's gone. Where did he go? And Snape says, I don't know. Which he doesn't like saying. And Moody shows up. What's all the fuss about? Hey, where'd the cup go? Uh, It was a porky. Harry got there first, but the second he touched it, he was gone! Oh, no! Here comes Fleur, and she's all upset. Dumbledore, with his eyes no longer twinkling, shows up, and, Mm -hmm. yeah, he's mad. Is there no safe haven for the poor boy? And he asks Moody to ask Sprout to relax the maze, which kind of makes sense that, you know, Professor Sprout would be in charge of the maze. And to get Bill Weasley, because his cursed Viking skills might be able to help them. And then we back to the graveyard. We do. And he recognizes Peter. Mm-hmm. And, he... and most of this bit sort of goes the same as canon. Mm-hmm. He's got the cauldron full of liquid and does all of the various ingredients. And Harry's going, let it drown, let it drown. Yeah. Yeah, but it's unfortunate. Oh. Cuts off his hand and takes Harry's blood and all of that. And Harry thinks that he did drown and then... Up stands this dark outline of a man, tall and thin, and he says... Unfortunately, there's enough cloud that he doesn't get to see much more of that before Wormfeld yeah. is in the room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he wants to see that. <laughs> and Crumb has shown up now that the maze has vanished to the center, and he wants to know where Harry is, and they tell him and Pavardi and Cho rush up, and Gabrielle's already crying, and... But Bill kneels down kind of next to Gabrielle or, you know, he puts his hand on her shoulder and says, don't worry, we have Dumbledore and your headmaster working over time, and if anyone can find them, they can. And she's like, are you sure? She looks into this face, this guy, he's got a long red ponytail and a dragon tooth earring and stuff like that. I'm sure. And Fleur says thank you, thanks him for helping calm her sister down. And she says, well, you know, I've got a younger sister, too. And by the name, by the way, the name is Bill. For some reason, Fleur is blushing. She is. Wonder what this could be about. And (laughs) Gabrielle has, um, they talk about how she's kind of adopted Harry. Yep. To her brother. And he says, okay, you know what? I'm a curse breaker. I'm going to do everything I can to find Harry, because, you know, he's like a brother to me, too. Yeah. And Gabrielle says thank you and hugs him and kisses him on each cheek and then runs back to the floor again. That's about as much um, extroversion as she can take at the moment. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And then we go back to the graveyard, and Voldemort is checking out his new body, and Harry is horrified. And mm-hmm. he's even paler than Snape. <laughs> Ooh, that's pretty bad there. <laughs> Pettigrew holds out his arm and he touches the dark mark, and here come all the Death Eaters. Mm-hmm. And, he, and once Robbie. again, this, this mostly follows along with canon. He 
that's just pacing around the circle, and there's the empty gaps who are either the betrayers or the most faithful or the ones in Azkaban, etc. Well, I'm kind of upset that he doesn't do the cross off. You know, cross off. You're terrible. Sorry. Apparently, Hashigru is now the left hand. He is. He gave him a left hand. Mm-hmm. And the right hand is already a Falkor. Yeah. And then he wants to... Uh, then we're back to the Quidditch pitch. And we've got wizards from the ministry that have arrived, and they've got this device that's supposed to track port keys, but it can take an, half an hour to set up, and everybody's mad. But Gabriel's got a plan. She's decided that when Harry gets back, that uh, they need to move here, and Fleur needs to get a job at Gringotts with Bill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Jim... Yeah, sure, whatever. It doesn't really think it through, but... Mm-hmm. Ginny is with her parents, and she's saying he's in a graveyard, and Voldemort's there, too. And Arthur's like, no, no, Voldemort's gone. You're you're just upset. And Ginny's like, no, Dad, I've seen it. And he's like, what do you mean you've seen it? And she doesn't answer. Mm-hmm. And once again, we switch scenes back to the graveyard, and um, this is basically Voldemort's bragging scene. Mm-hmm. He's talking about how he's so much better than a uh, mere boy, and uh, how could you possibly believe I could ever be defeated, but to, just to prove how great I am to you, I will confront this boy in a duel, and I perform with him. Um, because, you know, beating a boy with 50 years less experience than you is a really good test of your uh, power and uh, strength mm-hmm. and manhood. Right. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, you didn't know that? I mean, honestly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this Harry has been taught to duel, so he actually bows. Like, yeah, he doesn't have to be forced to bow. Does, uh... If he imitates Voldemort's little sneer, that he did, just because, you know, mm-hmm. he has been taught by Marauders, so... Yeah. yeah, and he gets hit with the Cruciatus again, and all he can think of is Ginny. <laughs> Voldemort's like, you didn't like that, did you? It hurt. You don't want me to do that again. Beg me. Beg me not to do it again. And Harry won't beg, so he imperios, imperios him. Harry won't say no. He will not. Yeah. And then he jumps behind the tombstones like he did before and, and stuff. And then we go back to the Unspeakables, who've been able to trace him. Yay! He's a little Hangleton, and then we can port key. The tracer or port key is there. And so they leave... Most people behind, they take Dumbledore, McGonagall, Snape, Madame Maxime, the adult And wizards. a lot of the rest of the, yeah. But the champions and their friends and the Weasleys get Less uh, warned back by Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. And uh, Molly and Arthur come back to scold them if they can't come along and uh, bring this in tongue saying, neither can you, because we have to, you have to be all right. And Snape has to remain behind because Voldemort can't see him fight for the side mm-hmm. of good. Mm-hmm. And, and Roth is gone. With his, his scar probably just extremely burned down from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's scared out of his mind. Dursley's kind of uh, calm everyone down because, you know, if anyone, you ha- you all have to stay here because if anything had happened to you trying to rescue him, he'd never uh, get over it. So. Yeah. And Cedric's like, if anything happens to Harry because we're not there to help him, I'll never forgive myself. And Vernon's like, I completely understand, dear boy. Understand. <laughs> and then we have Harry and 
Tom, Expelliarmus, Avada Kedavra, and the lights meet. And we get the primary incantatum effect. Thank you. It's a golden cage and the Phoenix song and all that wonderful stuff. Except that a whole bunch of other people show up having followed this tracer. Yep. And, um, and Bagman is looking at him going, but, 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 but that's Voldemort. Uh huh. And then a stunner shoots past Dumbledore and he turns to see who it is and yells, you! And starts dueling. Mm-hmm. And well, we don't know who it actually it is, but some of you recognizes anyway. <laughs> and we get the, these various shades coming out of the wand and mm-hmm. telling Harry what to do. Yep. And says, okay, break it and we'll slow him down and you get to Dumbledore as quickly as you can. Yep. And the tracer will take you back. To the tracer, Dumbledore yells. To the tracer! And Dumbledore has finished the man who had shot at him. And then everybody grabs the tracer and they all hurl back to the Quidditch pitch. Yeah. And we get a last word from uh, James and Molly mm-hmm. before they leave. We miss you. Yeah. And we're proud of you, Harry. This is cool. Yeah. And hey, everybody's back. There's cheering and such. And Harry really isn't paying attention because he's barely conscious. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, but there's a voice out of nowhere that says, Ah, that was the scoop of the century. So apparently oh. a little beetle tagged along somehow. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Right on somebody's cloak. People are a little surprised to see that Dumbledore's carting uh, Mad-Eye Moody with them, why that is. And, huh? uh, mm-hmm. and uh, they're sort of going, well, well I, I don't remember seeing a reporter at the battle. Where were you? <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, well, we all have our little secret. Ginny yeah. flings herself at Harry. I was so worried. It's okay. It's okay. And she mentions about the dream, and Harry says, yeah, he'd known, because Riddle had told him in yeah. this version of Chamber of Secrets. And then everybody else from the Golden Egg have arrived, and they're all pouncing you know, on him and stuff. Yeah. And Ron wants to know if it's true, and Harry just nods. And then we have headlines. The oh. who live, lives again. Voldemort returns. The Battle of Little Hangleton. And more and probably worse headlines. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. Going all over the papers. So, uh, so much for the ministry trying to hush everything up right. in this particular version. And then we have uh, Harry calling a meeting. And the first thing he says is to Gabrielle, I'm sorry, I have to do this. It's about our name. We cannot be the golden egg. It's not cool enough. <laughs> There didn't really seem to be much urgency in our mission, so, you know, egg kind of worked, but now we've left the egg and we can't go back. So he's decided they will be the Order of the Golden Light. Yes. Yes. Very nice. They clasp hands again, and this time the pulse is actually visible Mm -hmm. and goes through the air in the castle. Dumbledore feels it again and is quite pleased. And Harry says, I think we need to open up our order to other people, people we can trust and who can help us. And not teach, treat us like children, says Gabrielle. Huh? Yes, mm-hmm. not treat us as children. So he's thinking, well, there's Neville and the twins and Angelina and Alicia from Gryffindor. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably not Lavender or Dean and Seamus, because they're still kind of kids, really. So. Yeah, they're pretty flighty. And that's well, it. Lavender did get them to open up. Mm, she did. She she got Ron to ask Hermione out to the dance, sort of. Ron, Ron. Ron, Ron. 
No, that didn't occur in this version. <laughs> yeah, Mister, we don't have to have love, love, and one, one. I kind of like love, love, and one, one. Yeah, one, one, two. I thought it was one. I think that I was gonna say. I think it is. We know. I just think that should be a. Whenever, whenever you're doing a Harry Potter man, you're saying that should be a one one two. One one two. Sounds good. One one two. I don't know what else. Um, I'm sure there are other things you could do. Potter pudding or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I want any Potter pudding. <laughs> I don't know. It might be good. <sighs> so, so and that, well, yes, that wraps up the Goblet of Fire in this in a better man. And after this point. She has obviously thrown a lot of cannon on its head, so she stops using book names to go with the chapters. They just have their own. Did we decide she wrote this during the? I mean, during the you know the freeze. That's the only way I can call it. I don't know when she wrote this. Um, it was published on fanfiction.net on. It was published in 05. August twelfth of two thousand five. Yeah. And last updated in September of 2006. So, hmm. let me look that up. Okay. Well, while you're looking that up, Trisha, did you, did you, do you still feel like Vernon saw the shoes going to drop? Okay, this is unsolvable, but I want his other shoe to drop. <laughs> did you get a little bit of a? Yeah, I was right in that part where he decides to quit Grunion, Grunions. She didn't tease me enough. Yeah, it wasn't I mean, a big enough tease. It was not a big enough tease for me. I'm sorry. I'm pretty sure that's what she was going for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know it was, but I just... I, th- I think she got me the first time. I can't really remember well enough because it's been a number of years since I read it the first time. Mm-hmm. But I think I did... I almost thought that myself. Okay, Order of the Phoenix was published in uh, 2003, so it was out. Oh. Um, Half-Blood Prince was July 2005, so it was out before she started. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then Deathly Hallows wasn't. He wanted to go to book four and then go off, and he says in the next chapters that he stopped using book titles and starts going with own chapter names and that it starts to really diverge. So okay. That's fine. I think I can, I think now I, I mean, I kind of feel like, like he's rewriting the story, but it's like he's doing all the stuff that we wanted to fix, like not like mm-hmm. Cedric die and um, serious not to be um, going into Azkaban and, and and stuff like that. It's everything that we we always wanted. Right. And it's, I don't know. To me, it's just kind of like, yeah, okay, you can't fix everything. Mm-hmm. He didn't, but mm-hmm. I think he's doing quite well at making it um, making it workable. It's mm-hmm. not it's not making everything too perfect. Right. It's yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I think now going off the chat, going off the chat of titers, I'm hoping that that's that's what's going to happen. It's now it's it's going to be more AU or whatever mm-hmm. another now because it's like okay, I've had all this stuff here. I'm just like, oh please, no. I just don't want to relive the Harry Potter thing, but fix it in so many ways. Fix everything. I kind of. Yeah. Yeah. He set it up, and now he's going into his world. Yeah. yeah. I, I think mm-hmm. I'm ready for the next. I think I'm ready for the uh, the next world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. nothing could 
that we can't possibly go back to canon from here because the whole point of pretty much the next year was Fudge not admitting that Voldemort was back until the end of it. And when when Rita has witnessed his return and is splashing everything all over the papers, um, that whole plot is out the window. So they're going to have to find something else to do with year five. I don't know if Umbridge gets to come in a year early or if he'll still um, save her for the next year or if there won't be anything from her at all. But we shall see. Mm-hmm. She did exist because, uh, yeah, this was written basically a month after um, Half-Blood Prince came out and finished uh, a year or so before we got Deathly Hallows. So so anything in Deathly Hallows won't be won't totally. deliberately be in here. You never know how close you might get. Yeah. But, um, the stuff that we knew at this point is everything from uh, Half-Blood Prince, which I guess m- makes sense because Slughorn showed up in these chapters, oh, and mm-hmm. that was when it was used, so, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I read ahead because I thought we had this uh, done and that we were going to record the next chapters tonight, so I know what's going to happen the next time, and there's going to be some changes, and they're going to be fun. <laughs> All right, good to know. And it'll be fun to see what happens. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm liking this. I, I like the way that it's gone slow enough through here that the changes are acceptable. and that They're believable. Yeah. They're yeah, believable, they're... and now we're going to go in a new direction, and we'll see what happens. So so it's 54 chapters is the all the stories, and this one we've gone to 18. So he's, you know, gone slow enough to really set it up. So mm-hmm. it's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so tune in next time, and we will find out what happens, and... Chapter 19, Dawn of War. Yeah. Who the next DADA teacher is going to be, and stuff like that. Mm, All sorts of fun stuff. Yeah. All right. Anybody else have anything? Uh-oh, no. I've enjoyed it. Um, I was glad to get a chance to come and podcast with you guys again. And Yay! Glad you could make Yay! it. Mm-hmm. I guess the other question we have now, Sue, is did this record? <laughs> um, well, let's say goodnight, everybody. I'll turn the recording off and I'll check. <laughs> All right. Goodnight! Thanks for joining us, everyone. Good night. So hold on to the that those books brought to our Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night.